Do you want to know what it's like to hang out with MS-13 in El Salvador? How the Russian mafia fought battles all over Brooklyn in the 1990s? Or what about that time I got lost in the Burmese jungle hunting the world's biggest meth lab? Or why the Japanese Yakuza have all those crazy dragon tattoos? I'm Sean Williams. And I'm Danny Gold. And we're the hosts of the Underworld Podcast. We're journalists that have traveled all over, reporting on dangerous people and places. And every week, we'll be bringing you a new story about organized crime from all over the world. We know this stuff because we've been there. We've seen it. And we've got the near misses and embarrassing tales to go with it. We'll mix in reporting with our own experiences in the field. And we'll throw in some bad jokes while we're at it. The Underworld Podcast explores the criminal underworlds that affect all of our lives, whether we know it or not. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. With the holidays coming up and the end of the year approaching, things are getting a bit busy and a bit stressful. So why not take a few major things off your plate, like meal planning and grocery shopping? HelloFresh cuts out the stress of planning out your menu and delivers easy-to-follow and delicious recipes right to your door, which means you can enjoy cooking and get dinner in about 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh offers over 23 recipes each week, featuring a range of flavors, cuisines, and ingredients for you to choose from. Choose from low-calorie, carb-smart, vegetarian, or pescatarian menus, or family-friendly, like we did. And get every single recipe packed with fresh produce sourced directly from farmers that is all pre-portioned for your convenience. That way you can cut down on grocery bills and food waste. This week, we made the teriyaki pork luau bowl, and it was absolutely amazing. I am normally pretty cooking challenged, but this recipe was so easy to follow that I had no problem, and the food was on the table before I knew it. HelloFresh now owns Green Chef, which you guys know I've talked about and raved about before. My new favorite thing is to switch between the two and make a perfectly curated menu that my family loves. Now you can get a discount from both. Go to HelloFresh.com slash MorningCup10 and use the code MorningCup10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash MorningCup10. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder... There is a first time for everything. On December 29, 1969, a woman was taken from inside of her home and had her name placed in the history books as Britain's first kidnapping. A woman who was the victim of mistaken identity. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Arthur Hossein, born in 1955 in Dow Village, Trinidad, came to England as a tailor's cutter. 
After leaving the army or being thrown out, depending on the source, he married a German woman named Elsa, borrowed a considerable amount of money, and together with his younger brother, bought a farm on the border of Hertfordshire and Essex and moved there in May of 1968. Arthur always dreamt of something bigger, of his name being well-known and synonymous with greatness. Unfortunately, if he thought the farm was going to be that big break, he was sorely mistaken. It was a run-down piece of land, and though he worked hard keeping pigs and chickens, all while still working as a tailor, he never really achieved any of that greatness he hoped for. He even tried to join a local hunt club, but could neither ride nor afford his dues. The extent to his dreams was the local nickname of King Hossein. Then one day, a new idea came to him while watching TV one night with his brother. On the screen was media magnate Rupert Murdoch and his wife, Anna, a man whose notoriety and finances Arthur wanted for himself. So much so that he formulated a plan to kidnap Anna and ask for a ransom. That very rich man would pay a small fraction of his massive fortune for the return of his wife, therefore making Arthur a man of means and able to fund the lifestyle he always wanted. Finding Rupert wasn't a problem. He was a public figure after all. After following his Rolls Royce one day, they pretty easily found out where he and his wife lived in Wimbledon. On December 29, 1969, and his brother, Niza Modine, broke into the house and abducted the woman they found inside, assuming it was Anna. Unfortunately, in a deadly case of mistaken identity, the woman they grabbed was actually Muriel McKay, the 55-year-old wife of the deputy chairman who had been driving the company's Rolls Royce while his boss was away on vacation. It was actually their home they were led to, not that of Rupert Murdoch. Alec McKay returned home around 7.45 p.m. to find that the phone was ripped from the wall, the contents of his wife's handbag was littering the floor, and Muriel was nowhere to be seen. He called the police about 15 minutes after his return home, who assumed Muriel had simply left her husband. Furious they didn't take her disappearance seriously, Alec called the editor of The Sun and asked him to run a story the next morning. After the story in the paper ran, Alec got a call demanding one million pounds for his wife's safe return from a man saying he was with the Mafia M3. In total, M3 made 18 phone calls and wrote three letters demanding his money and Muriel herself penned two letters begging for her life, sparking one of the largest teams of detectives to assemble and attempt to locate her. Public pleas were made and Alec insisted he could not raise the money on such short notice. But even as the new year approached, M3 continued to make his insane demands. Desperate, Alec called an old friend and asked him to speak to a Dutch clairvoyant to help the police solve the crime. Muriel could be found in a white farmhouse in North or Northeast London. That there was a disused aerodrome near where she was being held and that, if not found after 14 days, she would perish. Despite the psychic and the work of investigators, Muriel has never been located. More phone calls came in with money demands, but no instructions on how to deliver the money. In an effort to get the kidnappers to either release her or give better instructions, Muriel's doctor went on television and said that she was in need of urgent medication and if she did not receive it, she would die. On February 1st, M3 called Muriel's son and told him to bring 500,000 pounds to a crossroads on the A10. Police went in his place, but no one turned up to take the money. 
Muriel's kidnapping was the first in Britain, so police had very little experience in dealing with ransom and kidnapping investigation. And the Hossein brothers weren't exactly criminal geniuses with a completely ironed-out plan. On February 6th, they insisted that Alec and his daughter deliver the money in two suitcases. Police went in their place once again, and the suitcases were taken to two separate call boxes before they were led down an underground trail to Epping. They were then told to take a taxi to a separate location where they would leave the suitcases by a specific minivan. Police kept a close eye on the suitcases and found that a blue Volvo with a single occupant had passed the location at least four times over the course of two and a half hours. They were able to get the car's registration number, which led them to Rook's Farm, owned by the Hossein brothers. The farm was raided the next day and found a notebook with torn pages matching torn pages of some of the ransom letters. But despite having evidence that the Hossein brothers were responsible for the abduction, there was no sign of Muriel McKay even after weeks of searching. There was also no evidence indicating what may have happened to her. No body, no blood, nothing. Despite this, the Hossein brothers were both charged, brought into trial on September 14, 1970, and found guilty in the case of Muriel McKay's murder in what was one of the earliest trials and convictions of murder without a body in the UK. They were sentenced to life imprisonment plus 25 years for kidnapping, 14 for blackmail, and 10 for sending threatening messages. Arthur died in 2009, while Nisa Modine served 20 years before being deported back to Trinidad. To this day, no one knows what happened to Muriel McKay. Some speculate that the brothers fed her body to their guard dogs or to pigs, while a small few believe she may still be alive somewhere. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on December 30th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.